Greetings, everyone. Welcome to a Simmer and Forsland. Rob Simpson here along with, oh, John Forsland. Hi, John. Hello, Simmer. How are you today, tonight? I'm great. I'm great. Ready to uh, start this homestand here. Get going. Yeah. Good. You got your lid on. I'm going to go to the lid right now. Like, I've got some new glue for the tube. You should put a hat on. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see that. Yes, yeah, nice. I think they put it. They re you must, you it. must. You must glue that thing down. I did. It's new yeah. stuff. You should try it. It's a nice look. There you go. That's better. Okay. Cover up the quaff. Two game. Oh, by the way, uh, SeattleHockeyInsider.com is where you can find this, and then you can also check us out on SimmerPuck at YouTube and Facebook and wherever else you want to look. Two game suspension for Mister. Yanni Gord, your reaction to the hit and the subsequent penalty? Well, I mean, uh, the hit is unfortunate. The hit is a retaliation and frustration, and he definitely definitely left his feet. Uh, the league's going to frown on that. They're going to look at the, the context of the play, when it happened, what the score was. Uh, luckily, you know, Ekholm wasn't injured on the play, didn't miss any time. Uh, Yanni has a past history, he was suspended in 2019 for a, a head hit on Jordan Stahl in Carolina. Um, yes, he was high sticked off the face off. Yes, there was no penalty called on the play. Yes, there could have been. It doesn't take away from, you know, the blatant um, frustration shown by Yanni Gorch is too bad and uh anyway he'll serve it and we'll move on and that's the way it is and everything else doesn't really matter all the narratives about a double standard that some people think there is and uh, Connor McDavid not wanting to engage with Yanni Gord that's hockey and those scrums and those sticks come up high off face-offs and it happens so there's payback down the road the best way to do it is start beating Edmonton, which they have a hard time doing, uh, and you and you move on. And of course, um, there's always the talk about consistency in calls, consistency in suspensions. But if you just pointed out, hey, it's one at a time, and in this case, it doesn't matter what else is going on over there; it's what's going on right here. Well, I mean, when it comes to suspensions, no one's happy. Yes. So there's always one side and one fan base that gets riled up. Um, by and large, I think they do a good job. I, I really do. I mean, I know it's hard to get to the transparency. I wish there was more of it. I wish we understood how they legislate the amount of games. That seems to be a head-scratcher sometimes. Um, but I do think that, listen, the rules are in place for a reason. If um, Ekholm's a smaller guy or if Gord catches him in a worse spot, yeah, he's really injured on that play. Yeah, he really is. As much as I love Yanni Gord, he's one of my favorite players. I've said that on this on this program with you. Um, and I believe that he is the heart and soul of the Seattle Kraken. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're the league's going to look at that and, and and say we can't have it. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's it's too bad he did it. I mean, he's got a. it's easy to say you got to think, certainly in my role never being out there, never going through something like that. Uh, but being around the game as long as I have and talking with players and understanding how the game's played, sometimes you have to table it. You have to you have to keep your discipline in in play always and and live to do it at, a, at another time, you know, and uh, he picked the wrong spot. And he put the team in a tough spot now 
without him for two games when they need him. That's yeah, bad. They particularly put him in a tough spot because the injuries or illness is has mounted up. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Vince Dunn skated before Saturday's practice, apparently. Uh, so hopefully he's ready to rock and roll because obviously until he was out of the lineup, he was the team's top scorer from the blue line. Yeah. And we now have a little list here of guys that mm -hmm. may not be available due to illness or injury. So it's piling up. That said, the Leafs Sunday will be coming off this very emotional, very chippy, very high energy game mm -hmm. against Vancouver that they lost six to four. It's also the Leafs third game in four nights. So let's just address that matchup first with kind of the intangibles that are going on here for both these teams. Well, uh, the Leafs are feeling some pressure. Um, um, a good team with high-end talent, obviously, but some some holes defensively. Um, figures always pointed between the pipes. Yeah. I would imagine Ilya Samsonov plays Sunday night in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, Martin Jones is, you know, putting his finger in the dike there for at a position where they need the, the young goalie Joseph Wall back in a big way. Um, it's a long trip for the Maple Leafs. With all that being said, you got to respect their talent. The Kraken, you know, we're not sure 100% of what the lineup will look like. And the, the, the ability to play down the middle against this team will be challenged. There's no question that's going to be a tough one. Um, Toronto's very good in the face-off circle. They were against Vancouver. They will be against the Kraken. So it's almost like you should just relinquish the draw. And, and get yourself into the best offensive position or win the 50-50 off a loss face-off because Toronto will start with the puck a lot. And Toronto will be, you know, angry. They'll be looking to atone. They've been challenged by their coach. Their star players have in the past week. It'll be an interesting game. And it starts the four-game homestand for the Kraken where they need to win three out of four, in my opinion, and then go to San Jose and win that game before the break. Uh, these are all winnable games, with the exception being the Toronto game. That's one that's going to be a, a challenge. But the other ones, they they are in a position to win and need to, really need to. If they're playing as the team that had thir a 13-game unbeaten streak, they're in good shape when you're talking about the Chicago Blackhawks, St. Louis Blues, Columbus Blue Jackets, mm -hmm. San Jose Sharks as the matchups mm -hmm. in Toronto. So mm -hmm. uh, as we always say, no easy night in the NHL. But these are games, if they're confident, if they're rolling, if they're healthy – yeah, if they take care of business. They put themselves in a good position. If they don't, if this is a stumble bum moment, then there's some deep doo doo going on heading into the break. Well, based on who's going to be in the lineup, it won't be a hundred percent for the Kraken. So that means they're going to have to dial it down in terms of how they simplify the game. They're going to have to play a real simple, strong defensive game and frustrate Toronto. Toronto coming off the game, there's two things in play here. Coming off the game against the Canucks, you're right. Emotional game. Sometimes there's a letdown. I don't think that'll be in play. So if, if Toronto does not let down because they want this game, if they get frustrated and yeah. stymied and it's not easy on some of their guys, that's where you're at, you know? And obviously discipline will be important. Uh, you don't want to give this team power play opportunities, and then there's Joey Decord. If he can stay on his game where it's been at, and he was, again, very solid in Edmonton, I thought. 
um, you know, they have a good chance. The court puts them in a position to win most of the games here in the last six weeks. What wasn't there in the three losses that was there during the winning streak? Well, the whole thing started with, in my opinion, the change of game time. Okay. So the Pittsburgh game gets changed from six o'clock to an afternoon start. Yep. No one has talked about it. It's my opinion. I just think that there was only one opportunity to really practice or get a morning skate in. And it was, it was the morning of the game in Pittsburgh on Monday. Sunday was a scheduled day off coming in off out of Columbus. So the players are allowed four full days off via the CBA uh, and they're agreed upon and they're in, they're in place and scheduled. You can't change that. So the Kraken did not have a skate because it was an afternoon game in Pittsburgh Had to go to New York. There was no skate there. Obviously it was a back-to-back. They had a full travel day to go to Edmonton. Now, Simmer, I've been at this a long time, as you know, uh, it's been well established uh, by people who like to let me know that I've been around a long time. I don't remember a road trip like this. I remember long road trips. Somebody pointed out the one last year where they won every game. Well, that started in Edmonton and then went east. Yeah, and went to Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Boston, Chicago, then back home. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I've never seen a team go from New York have a travel day and play in Edmonton. Okay, so they came a little bit off it. And to be fair, the injuries were a big problem. And this sickness that's been going through the team is legit. Like, it's a, it's a bad one. I talked with a couple of the guys who um, who, are, who played through it and are playing through it. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a mess. It's not, it's not good. So and, and it's going around the NHL. There's a lot of teams that have had this. Um, not that it's linked by any stretch. It's just the time of the year and the schedule, and everybody's tired, and they can't wait to get to a break. But now the Kraken, because of the three losses now, are in a position where they have to win. They they have to keep the pace here. They're they're falling because they played more games than everybody else. So they have to they have to keep the pace. Here's the fun question, John. Um, I guess it depends on the symptom. If this type of illness is a upper body or a lower body injury. It is. <laughs> They're just my, injuries, right? My belief, it's both, depending on <laughs> the symptoms that yeah. occur based on your illness. Uh, yeah. We'll go any further than that. Um, I know you had a chance to glance at my piece on Philip Grubauer, who has three years remaining after this one, I believe it was at 5.9 mil. Um, I think the number based on his transactions and medical history was nine since he was in Colorado in terms of lower body injuries, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, what do we think about this situation moving forward? I mean, is John, part of it is whether Joey Decord is the next Spencer Martin or if Joey Decord is the next younger version of Matt Murray. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to say that Joey's played so well. It's a short sample, yeah. a small sample, in a short period of time. Grubauer has a has a resume. Grubauer has a resume that has warranted this contract. I mean, he was a finalist for the, the Vesna when he was signed. Now, the year that 
these contracts were given out. Grubauer's, Schwartz, Wenberg's, these free agent contracts that the Kraken signed before the first year. Grieger, the league was coming off an abbreviated season. It was a 56-game schedule, you'll recall, with divisional play. Yeah. It doesn't really matter, you know, because Philip Grubauer put the numbers up to warrant consideration to be one of the top three goalies in the league within that type of a schedule. The playoffs didn't go well for him. Wenberg scored 17 goals, playing against the same teams over and over again. It wasn't real. But like the 48-game schedules we've had because of lockouts and the work stoppages and all these things, um, it, it's the season. And like P.K. Subban won the Norris Trophy in 2013, it was an abbreviated season. P.K. Subban deserved the Norris Trophy because he was the best defenseman that year in the NHL. But it was a shortened season. It doesn't really matter to management when they have to sign players and deal with agents because agents are just saying, hey, you measure my guy against the rest of the league. So Ron was in a spot where he had a chance to get a guy that was coveted by many teams and gave him term because he wanted term and a substantial amount of money. I still believe in Grubauer. I mean, I've, I've, I've told you this. I know he's, you know, had some injury concerns multiple times, right? Decord has proven now that he can play and he can play very well at this level. I still think they need two goalies. And I still think it's too soon to just forget what Philip Grubauer did in the second half of last season and in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's earned this opportunity to come back and play again. Uh, if Decord continues, it could be his goal, it could be his net. I don't think either one of them need to be the quintessential number one goalie. I think they can play two guys. If the Boston Bruins can play two guys, the Seattle Kraken can play two guys. And, and it will work. And it will work. And, and I think that's where it is. If if this continues to be a problem with Grubauer, there's nothing worse for management and ownership in the NHL today than, than a bad contract. It's hard to get out from underneath it. It's hard to move that guy. You end up in that awful spot someday where management has to have a conversation with ownership about a buyout. They're a long way away from that. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think Grubauer will reestablish himself, and I think he'll work well with Joey. And then Joey has to prove, as he gets around the league on multiple times, multiple occasions, that that he's the goods. You know, this is there have been many goalies, as you know, who have jumped into the scene here. And have taken off, and then you get you get fooled by it. Yeah. You pointed out a couple of names there. You just have to give it more time for both guys. Yeah. Well, Spencer Martin is the most recent example, right up the road in Vancouver. They, yeah. Well, they bought into that, thought he was going to be the guy, and it turned when Damko got hurt last season, it turned into a disaster. Even, right. the, even the Hamburglar. Yeah. Andrew Hammond in Ottawa after that yeah. unbelievable. Season second half of the season where he carried a team single handedly right. the postseason, and that was like, well, that was kind of that was mostly it, right? Yeah. So I mean, we could, I mean, you could go through that list on and on and on and on. Well, it's interesting, right. and, and the nice thing is, by the way, uh, Decor does have a year left for a little over a billion bucks, so it's actually not so bad if they are both functioning fully functional. You got five, right. million, and then you got another, you got a kid working for about a million bucks. Well, so all right. together, it's not. It's not unbelievable. Um, all right. Uh, saving it for last this week, I should have teased it off the top. We usually do our favorite number. 
mm -hmm. of a certain uh, number. This week, it's number 22. I'm curious if we're going to come up with the same guy. Okay. Now, I'm going to let you go first with number 22. Mike Bossy. Okay. Not the same guy. Good job. What do you got? Same guy? Not the same guy. That same guy. Yeah. So Mike Bossy for me. Yeah. I mean, pro prolific shooter, scorer, big part of uh, dynasty with the New York Islanders, uh, strong, um, you know, kind of underrated in other facets of his game that were aside from his shot. But I mean, he's the king of the one timer of that era. And, uh, you know, guys like Alex Ovechkin have, have modeled their game, you know, and in that same vein, right? Many have after. Yeah. And a 50 goal and 50 game guy. That's right. And if I'm not mistaken, was he the first to do it after? Well, Maurice Richard had 50 and 50. Gretzky yeah. obviously did it multiple times. I think Bossy was the next. I, mean, I think so. I don't think Hull, Bobby Hull, did it. I don't think Bobby Hull did it. No, but he had multiple. He had he set the new mark 54 goals. I right. think, but he didn't do it in 50 games. I think Bossy was the second guy to do it. Right. And then Cam Neely and so on. Yeah. Cam Neely was personal games, not team games. So right. they never really gave him credit for it. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, obviously, an outstanding choice. The late great Mike Bossy. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going with Steve Shutt. Oh, that's great. Montreal Canadiens. And here's the reason why. Very simple. Obviously, he's fantastic. Probably a slightly more underrated guy because you didn't have, you had the rock and roll star winger of Guy Lafleur with the hair. And you had, we've talked about the Montreal Canadiens dynasty before. Shut, mm -hmm. slightly overlooked. But when I have to learn a code, if somebody says my garage code is this or my lock is this, or my address is this. If they say my address is 2704 Main Street, I'll go, okay, Jeremy Roenick, Bobby, Bobby Orr. Uh, if they say um, my address is 2219 Pine Street, I'll say Steve Shutt is the 22 that comes into my head, and I'll say Steve Shutt, Steve Eisenman. So it's mm -hmm. always a I, yeah. If it's 03, believe it or not, my guy's Tommy Bergman. Don't have that. But, the old Red Wing, that's, uh, wow. Yeah, and I think my 17 is another old Red Wing, Mike Foligno. But anyway, yeah, yeah. too, when, I, when the number comes up for any purpose like that, Steve Shutt pops into my head. And I think it's from distantly uh, admiring the exotic Montreal Canadiens team and hating them kind of because they were so damn good. Mm -hmm. Kind of loving them and respecting them, even at a young age, understanding the game of hockey. So there you go. Well, and, and don't forget the center, right? Jacques Lemaire. So Lemaire, Lafleur, and Shut. One yeah. of the great lines in the history of the game. Right, but never really earned like the name. You know, no, you know, never, no, never earned like they weren't the gag line like in New York. They weren't. Well, the, and then that's where Scotty Scotty Bowman started with never number the lines because they used the press used to say, "Well, your first line." He'd say, "What line are you talking about?" Right, right. <laughs> you know, because then there was Ganey, and then there was other, you know, there was other other guys, right? So, 
Um, but uh, Jim Jimmy Roberts, I had a long history with in the minor leagues, former Canadian. And he, he used to talk about Steve Shutt and uh, the kind of competitor he was. Yeah. He was a great goal scorer. And I don't know if he ever got enough notoriety for that aspect of his game and how hard he competed, but he said he was he was nasty to play against in practice. And uh, very interesting, very interesting choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, overshadowed by Gee. Gee was a rock star. Come on. I mean, let's face oh, it. Oh, the original uh, flower. The original flower. The original flower. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Two honored members of the Hockey Hall of Fame, Mike Bossy and Steve Shutt. I've got a lot for you, um, John, but of course, we're not these guys that do these hour and a half uh, pods. We no. do short, Shorties. effective, informative, and hopefully a little bit entertaining. And uh, But I've got some great stuff for you in the not-so-distant future. But for now, uh, we'll see you at the Climate Pledge Arena. A lot of the folks here yeah. will see you on Root Sports Northwest and also on TNT. Yes. We always look forward to uh, watching you perform. Thank you, buddy. Great, great to be with you. Let's do this again before the break. Absolutely. Thank okay. You. He's John Forslund. I'm Rob Simpson. It is the Simmer and Forslund podcast, and it's uh, SeattleHockeyInsider.com and all the other cool places. See you next time. Mm -hmm.